In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I, I want to start by, by asking all of you now to, to raise your hands if you are a parent. How many parents do we have here today? Many of you, I knew that, are parents. Now, uh, for those of you who are parents, uh, when you first held your newborn children in your arms, um, did you think that that baby right before you was the cutest, most adorable, most wonderful, greatest baby that you had ever held? Raise your hand if that was the case for you. I would imagine so. I, I think that's how it should be. Maybe that changes when they grow up. Uh, but, but when you have that newborn baby in your arm, I would imagine that that baby in your eyes is the cutest, most adorable, most wonderful, greatest baby uh, that has ever been born. I am sure that my parents thought that. Um, the, the thing is, though, uh, they were right uh, when it comes to me. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but I was actually the most wonderful, most adorable, cutest, greatest baby to have ever been born. And maybe I should tell you why. Uh, you see, while most babies, other babies, uh, probably many of your babies and children, while, while they cry very often, you know, when they're hungry, when they need to be changed, not me. And in fact, when I came home from the hospital and my parents laid me in that crib, I was the one who was singing sweet lullabies to my mom to calm her down. Give her peace. I, I knew she was worried. Uh, you see, while most babies, other babies, uh, need their mom and dad to do just about everything for them, there's not too much that a newborn baby can do for themselves, not anything really of tangible worth. Uh, I was different. Before most children had learned to walk, I was cleaning the house, doing the dishes, really contributing to the family. You see, while most babies, other babies, probably many of your babies and children, had cute nursery rooms with pink or blue or yellow or light green walls with shelves that had um, animals, stuffed animals or toys on them, not me. Uh, my, my nursery shelves were lined with trophies and awards that said best pregnancy, easiest delivery. Before most children had even learned to speak, I, I was learning Spanish and doing calculus. I truly was the greatest, most adorable, most wonderful baby to have ever lived. Now, now you know that that is totally ridiculous, right? Uh, now, it's probably true that my parents thought I was one of the greatest children to have ever been born, because I do have two brothers, uh, so I can't claim that title for myself. But I would imagine they, they held me and thought, this is one of the cutest, most adorable babies. But it wasn't, of course, because I had trophies lining my nursery room wall. It wasn't because of all that I had done for the family and the contributions I had made and my accomplishments for them. Uh, the truth is that I was pretty much just like all of your babies and children, like every baby, right? There is nothing I could do for myself. Babies don't do anything. Uh, babies, in many ways, are very, very needy. You parents know that. Uh, they are vulnerable. They're helpless without mom and dad. They are totally and utterly reliant, dependent. And yet, Jesus will tell us in our gospel reading for today, they are also the greatest in his kingdom. You see, if we were to have a, a copy of God's dictionary, and maybe one day we will all get a copy, uh, but if we were to have a copy of God's dictionary, right there next to the definition of greatness would be a picture of a little child, a newborn maybe, and, and not some cartoon, picture-perfect, angelic baby with wings wrapped in swaddling clothes, like a real baby, dirty diaper, tears on its face, mid-scream at two in the morning type of baby, uh, because that is the very picture of greatness in God's kingdom. 
uh, which is probably not the picture we would expect to see in, in our dictionaries next to that definition of greatness, right? We might expect to open up our dictionaries or go on the computer more likely today and, and see a picture of, oh, I don't know, Michael Jordan, right, with his six championship trophies. That is true athletic greatness. Or, or maybe we'd, we would expect to see Steve Jobs or Bill Gates, men who overcame the odds, started with nothing, building computers in their basements and garages, and went on to own multi-billion dollar companies. That is greatness for many of us. Or, or maybe in our more pious moments, we would look and expect to see the Apostle Paul, right? He had done so many great things for the Lord, written books of the Bible. That is true greatness. But we would probably be surprised to open up a dictionary and see a picture of a screaming, crying, dirty, diapered little baby. Uh, but that's because our definitions of greatness are far different than God's definition of greatness, Uh, We define greatness today mostly by what we do, and we measure greatness in terms of accomplishments and followers and sometimes dollars, Uh, but not God. God defines greatness as humility. For greatness, in God's eyes, greatness demands dependency. It requires reliance. It is measured not in plaques and trophies and dollars or followers, but in need. And that's why when when Jesus is trying to teach his uh, disciples uh, a lesson on greatness, he doesn't call over to himself one of the Pharisees, one of the religious leaders with all of their many accomplishments in the church. He doesn't call over Herod the Great or or Caesar to his side and see, look, here is true greatness. No, he picks up a little child, completely needy and dependent. Because you see, in God's eyes, greatness isn't about doing but dependence. It's not about racking up trophies and awards. It's about relying totally on Christ's accomplishments. Uh, Greatness in God's kingdom doesn't lead to bragging and boasting and puffing out our chests. It, It leads to confessing, Lord, I need you. And the greatest people in God's kingdom are not the ones who can point to everything they've done, but who point to their need and then and then to the Christ who is filled that need. See, to be great in God's kingdom, um, it's really not about reaching a goal or grabbing something for ourselves. It's, it's about a gift that God has given us. To be great in God's kingdom is, is really to recognize that we are nobodies who have been welcomed in and received as somebodies. In 1930, uh, there was a book that was published, a popular children's book. Uh, Many of you have probably read it to your children or or heard it yourselves. Uh, This is a very famous book, and for for many of us, it defines greatness, and I think it describes in in many ways our approach to God. Uh, This book, again, published in 1930, children's book, it has a phrase in it that for many of us has become a mantra on how to achieve true greatness. Uh, The name of the book the little engine that could. And uh, the, the phrase, the mantra that is repeated over and over again is, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Uh, if you're not familiar with the story, uh, I will refresh you, and I'm going from memory here, so apologize if I get some of the details wrong. Uh, but in the story, there is a train, a long train full of many cars. Uh, this train needs to, for whatever reason, uh, make it to the top of a very high hill and then down the other side. Uh, which is fine, except that this train does not have an engine to pull it up that hill. 
Uh, and so what this train does, being in the train yard, it goes about asking uh, all of the engines in the train yard for help. And as you would imagine, being a long train with a high hill, it starts by asking all the big and strong other engines, right? Uh, except that the hill is high and the train is long, and none of these other big and strong engines are either able or willing to pull that train up the hill. Uh, the train begins to ask engine after engine after engine. No one is willing until finally the train comes to the littlest engine in the train yard. Uh, this engine uh, decides to give it a shot. It's going to pull that train up the hill. It seems impossible, but, but once it gets going, it begins to tell itself, I, I, I think I can, I, I think I can, I think I can. And wouldn't you know it, by the end of the story, that little engine that could does the impossible. It pulls that train right up to the top of the hill. And, and for many of us, that is, is the very definition of greatness. Uh, and for many of us, I think that has become our approach to God. Uh, we are pulling and striving, uh, trying to tug along this, this big train uh, full of hurts and worries and sins and cares and burdens, and we are doing our best, telling ourselves the entire time, I, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, trying to climb the mountain so that we can give it to God. I think that there's a part in, in each of us that loves the story of the little engine that could because we would love to believe that there is some greatness inside of us that is just willing to be broken free. And if, if we just uh, put enough determination and hard work into it that we can achieve great things, we can become great. The only problem is that that is not the definition of greatness in God's eyes. And Jesus would love nothing more than for us to stop talking long enough to hear him say, you know what? You can't. You think you can, but you can't. But I can, Jesus says to us. As we struggle to pull these trains full of sins and hurts and, and worries and burdens, uh, struggling and striving, Jesus says, you can't, but I can, and in fact, I have. And Jesus reminds us today that true greatness isn't about what you do for him. It's not a goal to be achieved or an award to be won. It is a gift of grace that is given by God, an emptiness that is filled, an achievement that is won for you on the cross. See, the truth is that all of us here today, by faith in Jesus, are great, but not because of our trophies and accomplishments, but because of what has been done to us, because we have been claimed and named by God in baptism, because we have been forgiven and set free. We are great because we have a God full of great and amazing gifts who wants us to see the blessings in being a baby, of being a little child who has a father, a heavenly father, who pours out gift after gift. Yes, we're totally reliant and dependent, but we have a God who fills every single one of those needs that we have. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I do think there is extreme value in hard work and determination. And in fact, and this might seem to go against everything I've just said, uh, I do think we continue to strive for greatness. Uh, but not as a goal that is achieved, but instead we strive to reflect and pass on the great gifts which we have first received. We strive and work hard in, in all determination to live out the great people that God has made us. We, we strive to live out our Christian identities. We are loved by God and baptized in his name, and we want the world to know it. We strive and serve and, and sacrifice for the poor and the broken and the hurting 
not because uh, we're going to earn something from God for it, but because we strive to reflect who we already are. We strive to let the world know that, that we're nobody's too, but we have a God who welcomes us in and receives us as somebody's. We don't brag about it. We don't boast about it. Instead, as Christians, we know and trust and believe that the greatness is found in a total and complete humble reliance on our great and gracious God. In Jesus' name, amen.